This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Oh yeah, have you guys heard the lovely Zoom voice yet? Yes, it freaked me out. I did a podcast (laughs) interview on Monday and I was like, what is that? And then I spent like 15 minutes trying to figure out how to turn it off and apparently you can't. So yeah, I think it like it reminds me of a because I'm into ghost hunting, but it reminds me of like a demon in the room. <laughs> like on those ghost shows, like you're like, what voice is coming through my speaker box? And it's mm-hmm. always scary. Um yeah, I don't like it either. But no. welcome. We're excited. <laughs> this transition. Um for our second episode of sex ed where we are chatting about all the things we wish we would have learned about in our sex education classes if we even were lucky enough to have them growing up and we did our first episode on just like a general introduction to this new mini series that we're doing on the Trinity Collective and then also just trying to normalize and talk about the fact that a lot of us either didn't have any sex ed in our upbringing or it was very incomplete I will use in how we learned about sex education and we've had a running list of topics and we were looking over them and saying like okay what do we want to talk about in part two and masturbation ended up being the topic that we've landed on so I think it'd be great maybe if we go around um, if someone didn't listen to episode one quick introduction of you know who you are and then like the first thought that comes up around talking about masturbation on the internet. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. <laughs> Hi, I am Dr. Emily. I'm the natural family planning pharmacist. So I'm a pharmacist by background, but I am passionate about teaching women how to track their cycles and use that information for health or family planning. And I am terrified to talk about masturbation on the internet. You're not supposed to talk about it. I love But here I am. (laughs) Yes, Emily stepping outside of the comfort zone. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go next. So hi everyone, I'm Joy. I am a fertility awareness educator and holistic reproductive health practitioner. I, similar to Emily, work with uh, people who want to chart their cycles and to do so for birth control or um, to achieve pregnancy or for health reasons. So um, that's kind of where my expertise comes in, I guess. And masturbation for me, it's definitely something that is more now that I'm in this sphere of reproductive health, it's not such a stigmatized thing, but it's so, I don't know, just so taboo to talk about. So it's still, even though I talk about these things so openly, I'm still just like, yeah, that is such a, you know, thing that people don't talk about openly. So I'm excited to just, you know, discuss it with each other and just kind of see like, you know, what we've experienced around those things and just actually create a little forum here of normalizing one more thing. So that's me. Rachel, you want me to go or do you want to go? It doesn't matter. I feel inspired. I am Janelle. I am one of the (laughs) (laughs) co-hosts. Masturbation. I, big fan, 
big fan of masturbation, but yeah, also like don't ever really talk about it. And I was thinking about leading up into this conversation and I realized I had owned a home before I'd ever masturbated. I'm pretty sure like at least on purpose. Yes. And I had owned two homes and run a business before I ever purchased a vibrator. Is that not fucking wild? Wait, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Janelle. Yeah. What? Why? You literally didn't touch yourself until after you owned a house. Yeah. I don't think I really started to until I was in like early twenties. I mean, I did own a house young, but. I have so many questions. I'm like so curious to, I I mean, I'm going to get into it. I'm sure. So do you want me to wait? Do you want me to pause? No, let's let's just get into your intro and then we can go. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. I'm Rachel. I am also a, the co-host of the True North Collective and um, also a life and soul coach. And for me, this just seems like another topic. I think probably at one point in my life, I may have been freaked out by it, but I was so, it was so like normal to me. I was like texting my friends like, hey, you want to be on a podcast with me to talk about masturbation? And they're like, like something that people are going to hear again, it's get recorded. Like someone from my my job could hear it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, we all do it. <laughs> um, and I was quickly reminded that, um, I know that it's taboo, but I think that I talk about taboo stuff all the time. And so, um, I'm just really excited to, to like have a space for whatever comes up. I was like, it's, we're not going to be diving into like specific you describing how you masturbate. Like we're talking about the the bigger, unless you want to, I was like, <laughs> it's, you know, like the bigger picture, like what it is and is it important and why isn't it and whatever. Um, so yeah, I would say for me, it has been a way for me to get to know myself. Um, it's probably the one consistent way that I've been connected to my body my entire life. Um, and I've been pretty disconnected from my body. Um, as a cancer survivor and then um, a a sexual assault survivor, I think I really wasn't sure how to trust my body. So I'm actually like, I'm, I'm curious. I'm I'm surprised maybe, I don't know what I would have imagined uh, the resulting, um, like how masturbation plays into your relationship to your body after having big things where you kind of aren't sure if you can trust yourself, but maybe that was the thing that actually helped me stay connected to myself. I don't really know. Never really thought about it until this very second. So that's what I'm bringing here today. Yeah. Yeah. Janelle, I am very surprised that you said that about your timeline because it is very opposing to mine. Like I vividly remember getting pulled out of my second grade classroom and being reprimanded because I was touching myself. And then I vividly remember, like, I can't remember if it was late elementary school or early middle school, but I was in my bedroom with the door closed, touching myself. And my mom came in and like freaked out at me. See, that's interesting. I don't remember ever. I don't remember the first time ever touching myself. I remember learning about it because of friends that I had who were either like 
talking about it or like, have you ever put a pillow between your legs? Like things like that um, at a pretty young age. But, and then I never like, I never was caught or anything. So it just was like, I don't know. I think it just evolved as it did. And I literally never, like, I don't remember ever, like the first time I ever like orgasmed from it or anything like that. I don't remember. I don't recall like a moment in time. It just like feels like this evolution where all of a sudden, I mean, I was pretty regular, like in college and stuff like that, but interesting. Yeah. I've also heard, sorry, I'm just talking a lot. So you can all jump in if you want, but I've also heard from, did we talk about this the last time? My little cousin or uh, my niece, did we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Her mom was telling me that there's like a new thing where if you walk in on your child, um, playing with themselves or touching themselves that you're supposed to say, Oh, let me give you some privacy. And then, um, I'll be back in five minutes and, and, or not shame them about like, Oh, take your hands out of your pants. That's gross. Like you're not like try not to say that. Um, but I feel like even me, it's like, you know, my, my little niece is sticking her finger in her butt crack. It's like, if you pooped and then you're just smear <laughs> poop all over the place, it's like, maybe can we pull your hand out of your butt crack right now? Yeah, just right now, please. <laughs> I think I'm similar to Rachel in that sense. Like, I don't have any, like, you know, mind-blowing first orgasm memories. Like, I don't, I don't even, I don't remember that. I don't know. So it must have been early enough that I... It's something that I've forgotten now, but yeah, I'd say it's a pretty normal thing for me since, you know, probably about puberty onward, um, maybe a few years afterwards, but I don't remember like having any conversations with friends, which is an interesting thing that you might've experienced. Yeah, I didn't either. I'm going to chime that one in. Yeah. Like that was just never, and I still like, still, I don't think I've really talked to many people, um, about that except you know here and maybe I think it's me I'm realizing that I'm just like curious that I'll be like well what do you do with that have you ever tried this and then my friends are like are we really talking about this and I'm like unless you don't want to and then they're like well I guess I don't care so okay totally you just need to have that like initiator (laughs) essentially but yeah, I don't, I don't have any specific memories, but it's definitely very normal. And there was never an instance of like negativity towards it or anything, but it also wasn't like positive either. It was just kind of like something that just wasn't discussed, which, you know, without getting too much into it, I think that it is something that is really good to discuss with, um, you know, your kids or, you know, those young people in your life, because, you do want them to associate that kind of pleasure that ultimately that you want them to have in a future sexual relationship. Like you don't want your kids to ever not have pleasurable intercourse or something. Right. And like the two do go hand in hand. So you do want to make sure that they know what pleasure is for themselves before they start to think about pleasuring someone else. And then think about that with sex, they can then advocate more freely about what they actually enjoy and not have that, um, you know, they don't even know or don't feel comfortable enough to talk about it. So I think the positivity around it is, is a really good thing. So I don't yeah, know. I was going to add, because like for me, I started having sex pretty young and like I said, I never masturbated. So like for me, my first five, six years of sex was like, not at all about my own 
pleasure. I had no friends talking about it. Emily, super similar to you. Most of my experiences around any sort of sexual act were so shameful. Like I was met with such shame from like family and even like it just like general PDA, I feel like was very like frowned upon in my world. I will say though, I don't know if this, I guess this does kind of count, but I found out that if I did Pilates, the side leg series where you lift and lower your leg and you tap, that would make me orgasm. So if that counts, <laughs> I did Pilates Amazing. to orgasm because I was too ashamed to touch myself, but I would do Pilates. <laughs> that uh, was like the first time that I think I'd ever actually experienced an orgasm. And I like had been having sex for a couple of years with like a regular partner and had like had no do you fake your orgasms? I mean, you don't have I mean, to answer that. Sorry, I forget uh, that I just am like... I don't even remember, to be honest. Like, I mean, I don't think I was faking it and I don't think I was having them, but like, I I was very, like, I was in early high school. So like, I don't even think I had the exposure. Like I wasn't watching porn or anything. You had no exposure of what sex looked like other than what it was like to have sex with that one person. So I don't even think I knew... I, if I was supposed to orgasm, like, you know, like that I could orgasm. I don't even know, to be honest. I feel like I had no idea about anything. I was just like, all right, we're doing this. This I'll say, and I'll say though, to just normalize, like, just because you masturbate doesn't necessarily mean you know how to advocate for yourself because I, I, they were two separate things. Like for me up until very recently, they weren't really that associated. And like, Hmm. I, I almost like the, the act of having sex with another person was still fun. And like, I enjoyed the connection and like, I could come from it and everything, but it was very much about like creating this perfect circumstance for the other person. Um, And then when I wanted to just be able to have a moment to myself or I wanted more, I would just go do my own thing. Um, and now I'm realizing after being single for so long, and I, I mean, I didn't really talk too much, even though I am pretty open, I didn't talk to people about this stuff all the time. Cause again, most people are like, huh, we're not, why are you talking to me about this? Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually have a friend who wants to be a sex coach. And so I was like, would you mind talking to me about this stuff? Like I have a lot of questions and and through my own exploration of like listening to podcasts and um, having conversations with her, I started to understand, I mean, it makes sense that the two would be related. I just hadn't allowed them to play off of each other as much as they could until recently. That's actually a good point. I learned most about most things about like my own pleasure through podcasts and through pure romance parties. That was the first time in college I went to a pure romance party and they were like bringing out vibrators and dildos. And I was like, I think I was 21 at this point. I was also like drinking alcohol and I was like, wait, I know people have these things, but I was like, wait, how do they work? Do you know that they're illegal? I think that they're illegal and no, that can't be right. I thought they were illegal to purchase in some states still. I thought I was going to say Texas, but I definitely got a vibrator in Texas. So now I don't know. Or maybe it's a dildo. You just go to the different states to see. <laughs> this is my what? dildo from Texas. <laughs> yeah. That could be pretty fun. You're like, this one, how you feeling? Some Louisiana dildo? <laughs> Emily, what was that well, like for you? To- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Were you going to say something else? Oh, no. I, 
I guess I was going to take the conversation a different way too, but I was just going to say, I think it does bring up too that there are our female anatomy is so complex, right? There's a lot of different parts and different erogenous zones. Like, so like for me, I feel like as a young person, child, like I never, the act of masturbation, I didn't associate that with like sexual. It was like, it feels good to touch myself. And I was always touching myself like externally. And, and so then it wasn't until later that then I realized like, oh yeah, there's these other areas. And then I remember like my husband asking me to show him how I masturbate. And like, he's like, well, you know, how do you put it in? Cause I want to put it in. And it was like, oh yeah, no, like I, I usually am doing other things. <laughs> like it was, it, it's really interesting that like, there isn't just one way to masturbate either. Right. No, that's the thing that I've been single for the last just over five months. And there is so much, I mean, literally we'll link some podcasts um, in the show notes. If you just listen to like a few of them, there are people who are like exploring this and really passionate about it. And like, even there are so many parts and each person's different. So like, you know, some, some clitorises want like strong pressure and some there's like different zones even. And so like in one podcast I listened to, they were like, what zone, what, what zone are you? And then I was like, I want to know what zone I am. And so you can like certain zones, it's like a quadrant and different people have different zones that are like more sensitive. And, um, yeah, I, there is, there's honestly, it's kind of fun actually, just how much you can do. And if you, what I've been doing lately is just not trying to think about what I'm supposed to do and just letting my intuition guide me. And like, if I'm, if there's like something that I just feel like doing, I just do it. And then I'm like, Oh, that was interesting. I never tried that before, but I'm for sure going to ask for that next time, you know? Um, but I did have a question, Emily, what was it like, what did that do having the shame based aspect? Cause I, I didn't have that. I mean, I societally, like, like Janelle, I think, um, I was very aware of like the stigma around like your, what you should and shouldn't do. And like the first person that ever talked to me about put the pillow between your legs. I remember people being like, what was wrong with her? She must've, something must've happened to her as a child. I remember telling mm-hmm. people that and then people saying that. And now I'm like, I don't think that that was the case, <laughs> but like, just that there is kind of this like anecdotal stuff, but what was it like firsthand for you to experience that? How did that play out for you? Yeah. I mean, it was terrible. (laughs) And I like, I still feel the weight of it now at 32 years old in a healthy monogamous relationship. Like it, I still can go back to feeling like, oh, should I be doing this? Like I got this message that it is wrong to get pleasure from yourself and it, it really messed me up. Yeah. 
where do you think that came from? We don't avoid pleasure in all the other parts of life. It's like, be the happiest, be the like, like adventure, be like every other aspect of life. It's about embracing like the most pleasure you can experience. Why wouldn't we want it to be in self-pleasure? That's so confusing to me. I think in my world, it got tied to religion and I know like as a middle schooler I was given some book I wish I could remember what the title was or anything but somewhere in the book it was like you are a sinner if you masturbate and you need to you know pray to have God help you stop that and I think it was tied to like well if you masturbate then that must mean that you are thinking sexual thoughts and you are, you know, thinking impurely about other men. And then, you know, it leads into this whole slope of, oh, then you're, you know, if you're in a relationship, then you're, you know, thinking outside of the relationship or it just, it got like way far away from what it really was for me experiencing it. Yet what we resist persists. And you're going to be thinking about it anyways, <laughs> which then on a serious note, if that, if you extrapolate that out and we're like stopping people from being able to touch themselves, like that energy shows up in other places, that is probably a lot worse. So. Well, and sorry to monopolize, I won't keep talking about this forever, but it does make me really think about and really passionate about thinking I am still a very religious person and but I don't agree with that teaching that I was given. And so thinking about like, I do believe that our bodies were made a certain way and that we're supposed to love our bodies and honor our bodies. So isn't touching my body and getting pleasure from the way that my body works a good thing? Couldn't that be a way to connect to God? Especially because I'm going to probably say this wrong but the clitoris is the only organism or only part of the body that's sole purpose is pleasure. That's it. There's no other reason for it at all. There's like, and there's no other body part that's only sole purpose is pleasure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have it. Yeah. Yeah. And so how are we just supposed to ignore it? Right. Right. That would just be like, why is it there then? Right. And that's, that's, I think the thing, like, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm not religious by any means, but I think that is a a really valid question for, you know, people who do shame something like masturbation. Cause it's like, well, then what's the point? Like, you know, that, that was put there for a reason. And so, um, like you said, why wouldn't you want to take advantage of all those great things in life everywhere else we do, you know, like we want to do the best and feel the best and, try the best and you know whatever it is in our in our lives um so why wouldn't we want to have the best masturbation or self-pleasure or best sex or you know those kinds of things are just so taboo that it's almost like no no just like lay there and like don't touch yourself or even if you're really horny just don't you know like I just don't that that whole thing doesn't really it doesn't make sense right because it it is there just for that so we really should honor it (laughs) by getting getting off a few times. I agree. I was going to ask the group 
one thing that I noticed and I haven't mentioned in my own experience growing up is while I didn't talk about like masturbation to my friends, I am specifically speaking to like people with vaginas, vulvas, because all my guy friends were talking about jerking off. So I don't know <laughs> you guys, like I knew plenty about how guys masturbated. I knew nothing about how women masturbated. So I didn't, I don't know if that is like common or it's just the guys that I was hanging out with. Um, but I'd be curious for you all, like we're, we're speaking and I'm saying like, oh, I never masturbated and da, da, da. But for me, I was like, but literally when I was in high school, I knew all about men. I think that's like a cultural thing though, too. I mean, it's much more normalized the, the idea that men are, you know, going to jack off or need to like, even just as I was starting to learn about the clitoris, it was like, I think like when I lived in Texas, it's like, I started asking myself, like people draw penises everywhere. And we, you know, that's like a very normal thing to see, but we don't see clitorises drawn anywhere. Like what's that about? And so I think there's a bit of like a societal normalization of it. And then therefore it like makes it more okay. I would think I have no proof at all. It's just my thoughts. Um, but also I think there's something about like the masculine, maybe masculine energy of just like power and like, I am here. I am in control. I, this is like what I want. I am, I get to like decide what, and there's something there that may, maybe that also is just, um, lends itself to lends itself more to that. Whereas like females, you know, we tend to be raised as being submissive and you don't talk about that. And, um, it, which is all, you know, a construct, but I, I would guess maybe, cause I feel similarly. I had the same, same, same thing. I would say too, my, my thought around that is also that I think it's so, you know, it's relatively new that we even know the shape of the clitoris. I don't know when it was, you know, discovered that it's more than just one, you know, distinct area that might be external, but it actually lies pretty deep internal as well. So I think a part of it probably comes from what you said, absolutely. The whole, you know, masculinity and like, you know, our whole society is shaped around masculine needs. Um, and so often we are forgotten to the point where, you know, it literally wasn't studied or looked into as to where the clip was until much later. I wish I knew when it was. I think it was, I think it was the late nineties. I was going to say seventies for some reason. So I think it's the nineties. All right. So let's say the nineties, right? Like that's yeah, it that's was insane, right? Like we, you know, if that was on a man, it would have been much, much sooner, right? And a bigger priority to figure out exactly what it is and, you know, all of its great things. Um, so I do run, wonder that impact as well. And then on top of that, I think um, there's just not that much representation in porn or, you know, anything like that as to, you know, female pleasure or somebody who has a vulva or whatnot. So I just... I think that that's part of it where young boys are learning like masturbation through porn. And you do have to think about, you know, whether or not that's, oh, oh, 1998. Okay. So, you know, you do have to consider how much they even do actually even know. And I, you know, based on my early sexual interactions, I'm going to say a zero about the (laughs) clitoris, but uh, (laughs) shout out to high school. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But I think that is something that is just, it's so unknown in a way too. Um, so they can't speak to that. So they're just going to drop penises on the lockers or something, you know? 
You know what else too is coming up for me is just like, we, I mean, looking back on it now, I remember sensations that I was having at times that I didn't know were like, oh, this is the start of an orgasm, but I didn't know what it was. So I just like, I don't, I don't know. I think I just like ignored it or something. I was like, that feels interesting. (laughs) Like, I don't really know what that is. Um, But like, you know, if you get a boner and it's like right there, you you know, you see it. I think there's, there's just a lot more visible um, for the male experience. And so, and then even just like the fact that everything is external. So it's like what you're going to do and how you're going to, like, it's all right there. Whereas with the female, it's like, you're going in potentially to like, like, I mean, even just for me to like, see my own self, like I need a mirror of some sort. And like, it, there's just like a lot more, um, that goes into it. That's like hidden, like it's like innately hidden, which kind of has, is an interesting layer, like subtle unconscious layer to all of this that, um, I had never really thought about until just now. Yeah, that's a good point. I was even with my Pilates example, like I would not have identified that that was me orgasming at the time. I was just like, oh, this feels good. And then my muscles kind of cramp up because I was doing this exercise and da, 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 da. And it wasn't until later when I had continued my own exploration. And I was like, oh shit, that <laughs> wasn't like, that was an orgasm. <laughs> Cause yeah, I like didn't even know that that could really happen. It's just like such a lack of education and yeah. Emily, did you have a similar experience though around masturbation? Cause I, yeah, I brought it up for that exact point. I think that's pretty common. Um, and I don't think when we talk about like a conversation on masturbation almost feels like it is different if you have a vulva versus if you have a penis. What do y'all wish you would have been told? What would have, yeah, I'm just gonna say it. What do y'all wish you would have been told? I would just, uh, I wish that it was something that was discussed in terms of like how valuable my pleasure is uh, in addition to a partner that I'm seeing or, you know, like engaging with sexually. Cause I think that that is such a, I don't know. It's just not, it's not something that we know clearly based off of this, you know, conversation we're having, but how clear is it that, you know, he or the person who has the penis is supposed to have, you know, this orgasm at the end. And that's kind of what the whole thing is, is depicted for most of the time. Right. And so I think that I would have loved to have in my sex education also about self-pleasure and how much more important that is really um, than anything else. Cause I think like I said, I think if we just went into sexual relationships, understanding what we do like, then it is just kind of, you know, it's one more thing that's going to help. Hopefully you have a better experience sexually with someone. Um, it's definitely not going to hurt. Right. And so um, I think that's just something that I, I wish it was just discussed along with all the, well, I mean, I didn't have that much sex ed- mm-hmm. education. Let's say in a perfect world, I had that, that covered in a, a great way than also including that self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say the number one thing I wish that I was told was that it's good. Your body is good. Like it's good. Um, but then too, I do, I do wish that, yeah, if like 
in sex ed that it wasn't just like we talked about in the first episode that it wasn't just about periods that we actually spent some more time looking at the female anatomy and not just you've got two ovaries and a uterus and that's it but like this is a clitoris and this it even like the labia and different parts just to have a better standing of again this is good and this is good to explore yeah similar I would say just like almost the celebration and then like hey yeah we live in a society where like you can't just go masturbate out in public but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because I had so much shame like for many many years I mean it hasn't really probably since I moved out to like California that I've started to let go of a lot of this like my shame and around sex in general um so for me like pretty similar I wish I would have learned that and Emily you kind of even reminded me too when it comes to learning more about your body which ties in with masturbation and we talked a little bit about this last time but like using a tampon Mm -hmm. and I remember like not even understanding where the tampon went because no one had ever taught me what all the things were you know like I had never seen that that and it's like you you said that and I was like damn like Mm -hmm. I I get that everyone goes to that but I'm like yeah no one showed me a photo of a dry and I was like here are all the different mm-hmm. you know things so I didn't even know how to shove a tampon up there you know and it's like that's kind of well, kind of fucked too I don't know I mean I so those are the things like I just wish we would have talked about it more like less shame more normalization just like let's let it be a thing because then I also even from the standpoint of things being like desirable or like over sexualized I think a lot of times it comes with the fact that it is like, oh, it's this secret thing that no one gets to da-da-da. But if like, we just talked about uh, like the vagina, the vulva, all of the above a little bit more, I feel like it takes away some of that, I don't know, like the, the extra zing of the, like the mystery, even for like the opposite, I mean, they're not even opposite sex, but like, I don't know, like the attraction sense. I feel like it it's like, oh, this is a special thing that no one, it's like, well, yeah, it's like special, but not in that way. I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'm articulating this well, but. I, I know what, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. I feel like there's this idea that I heard in my world growing up, like, oh, we don't want to talk about sex. We don't want to talk about these things because then kids will know about them and then they'll go out and do all these things we don't Mm -hmm. want them to do. But you're right. Then you want to go and explore and figure out what these things are because nobody talked to you about yeah, them. Yeah, it reminds me of like drinking, like in Europe versus the United States almost how, and I don't know exactly how accurate this is, but I've been told because in Europe, a lot of places you're allowed to drink beer or wine at 16. And so it, I'm sure there's still binge drinking culture there, but I'm pretty sure it's significantly worse in the United States because it's like, we're going to make all the kids wait until they're 21 before they can have anything. And then they just go ham because it was this, you know, this naughty thing. And it, like, I feel like it has the opposite effect versus if it's like, hey, this is okay. This is how you do it in moderation. Let's explain how it works. Like you start with beer, you know, beer and wine. And then when you hit this age, you can have something a little bit more, you know, like, but instead of just like, you can't touch any of it. But then when you hit this age, you like are uneducated. You're not prepared. Like there's no ease into it. And then it's just like, let's go full ham. That's, I, that's like the closest thing I can sort of get like an analogy of on how I picture learning about your body and, and sex and like just not having the education to also even ease into it because like, oh, I don't know, I'm just going to do it all, I guess. I mean, it's happening anyways. So I guess I just like, 
like where else in life has it been better to not know really I that's I mean that's like a way bigger conversation um so yeah I I think I just parrot everything y'all are saying like this is your body. Your body's good. I love your body is good. Like that I made me feel really good. I was like, oh, I'm going to tell myself that all the time now. Um, like even just being able to see, to, to kind of go off what you were saying, Janelle, it's like, let's normalize the different sex organs. And then each person is unique. I mean, there's a, that book that I talked about in the first episode by that artist, Lydia, I can't remember her last name. She um, does vulva casting and there's so many different shapes and sizes of penises and, and vulvas. And, and then we're not, we haven't even talked about trans and intersex and like all that, all that needs to just be, it's a body, uh, you know, like, and, and then each individual person and the fact that each one is unique and the way each one gets activated and excited is different. And there's still magic in that. It doesn't take anything away from it. It, um, in fact, takes away a lot of the pressure. Um, I feel like, um, and I think the other thing I really wish I would have been shared is like, I put a lot of pressure on my partners to know how to navigate my body. And like, I, for a long time learned what felt good based on like whatever random thing they did. And I just like assumed that, which is like, looking back at, I'm like, that makes no sense whatsoever. Like, why would that be the case? Um, and so just the encouragement of like, get, you are you like the, what feels good for you is going to be unique for you. So like take the time to get to know that so that you can be a partner that you can communicate that in your partnerships and you can ask advocate and ask for what you want. And, um, I don't, it just, yeah. There's, um, yeah. So I, I couple all that it is your body is good that everybody's a little unique and different. So get to know yourself and uh, we're allowed to feel pleasure and like, it's not a bad thing. Um, would have been really cool. Although again, I'm here now and I'm enjoying myself. So it's like not the end of the world. It's not like I got totally fucked over, (laughs) you know, I would even, like to add to your point, Rachel, we've talked about this when it comes to just bodies in general and like body shaming, but the more I have been exposed to specifically like naked women's bodies, like I remember I was in a bathhouse in Japan and everyone just like walks around, you know, butt naked there. And it was very jarring for me being from here, but it is very permission giving because a lot of times the only bodies that I had been seeing naked was like my own or these like this one idealized version of what a body should look like and to be able to see and not that I'm saying like you have to see everyone's vagina but like if you do or you have more exposure it made me feel less judgmental towards my own body because I could actually I don't know if like experience is the right word but like (laughs) visualize with my own eyes that people are different. And there were things that I thought were weird about my body that all of a sudden, like I even remember in the pageant world, when I used to do that, like we all ended up getting spray tans at the same time. So it was like, all, all of us were basically naked. And I remember being like, oh, like some of these people too, where I had like really idolized been like, oh, she has such a better body than me, blah, 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 blah. And then it was like, oh, but they're like things that I actually, and not that anything's better or worse, but I was like, I actually like, like this about my body better. And not that that 
you know, means anything in general, but like I had a better appreciation for my own body by being able to be exposed to different types of bodies and not that like, oh, your body was bad, but it was just like, oh, like this is actually just a unique part of me and I can start to appreciate it for its uniqueness or how maybe it's less unique. You know, it doesn't really matter. Right. But like the exposure helped me accept my own body a lot more without feeling the need also to like put anyone else's body down too. It's just like, oh, cool. You got that. I got this sweet, like good to know we are different. And being able to be in those kind of situations too, where you are able to be exposed around others is something that can really make you more confident about your body too. And that's part of it as well. Just, yeah, not feeling like you have to be shameful of your body or not feeling like you have to hide yourself away. Um, Yeah. I feel like when I was in high school, I used to go to the gym really early in the morning with my mom. And so we used to go to like this water aerobics class where like I was the youngest, my mom was the next youngest. And then there was like, you know, this group of older women, but you know, in the locker room, like everyone is just like totally naked. And it was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, here's like some like normal bodies. And then it made, like, I was very much like, ooh, cover up, like, and then the more I was around it, it was like, oh, I have a body too. Like, this is fine. And so I really appreciate you bringing that up, Janelle. Um, My question is, what would, what has been the thing that has allowed you to be more comfortable with um, touching yourself or with masturbating or, or self-pleasure? I think for me, it's been, um, I don't know, like I kind of had this really big awakening for myself when I came off of birth control because I had had such a, I don't know, just a really crappy time on it. And it was just kind of like this thing that I took because I was scared of getting pregnant and it it further kind of separated me from my body. Like I didn't have to deal with a lot of it because I was on birth control. And so when I came off of it, I was like forced in a good way to, you know, look at my body's signs and like embrace my fertility. And, um, and for the first time, like genuinely, I had like a huge boost in my libido. Like I wanted to have a lot of sex all the time. And it was just kind of like mind blowing to me because it it wasn't something that I had really explored much before becoming sexually active than being, you know, on birth control that suppressed my libido. So it wasn't really that big of a, like, I definitely wasn't masturbating often at all because I just genuinely didn't have a need to. And so then when I came off of it and I had all this like energy, sexual energy, it was kind of a good outlet for me if I wasn't able to kind of engage in, you know, sex. So I think that was when it kind of became more normal. And at the same time, then I was in this fertility awareness sphere where it's very sex positive and, you know, really talking about your cycles with your partner, which then just enhances your sexual connection with your partner and talking about what you like and what you don't. And so it was kind of like this whole big um, experience for me that just kind of rapidly increased my comfortability, um, I guess you could say. And like just normalizing that for me and then, um, you know, becoming a fertility awareness educator and then, you know, passing this kind of stuff on to my clients whenever we're talking about sex positivity and that kind of thing. So 
that that would be me. That's such a good call out. The birth control. Oh my gosh, that really masks a lot. Yeah, it totally did. And I didn't know that at the time. Like I didn't think that it was, I didn't think my libido was low. And then I came off and I was like, holy God, it was on the floor. Like I just was on it for so long. I just genuinely didn't know that I could have any other kind of libido, if that makes sense. Totally. I was the same way too. When I came off of it, I was like, oh, for the first time in my life, I actually want to have sex, which I think, yeah, to your point is like one of the reasons why masturbation was not really a thing for me because I never was at home like, hey, I'm horny. Like, I want to do something about it. It's just like, I mean, I went a long time for a while, like not having any sex and not for, you know, any sort of like pledge to, you know, to myself because I didn't want to. It's just like, I just have no libido and I have no reason to. So, I'm not gonna masturbate. I'm not gonna have sex, and I had no idea that other people felt differently. Like I remember having that conversation with a boyfriend, and me like, "You never want to," and you know, not trying to like. We can get into the conversation. I'm sure he finessed it like way better. That sounds very demanding and like the statement, but um, and I was like, "You're right," and I feel like there's something wrong with me because I feel like I should, and I just don't. And it wasn't until I got a birth control that I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this is what it's like, you know? So it, yeah, it was pretty mind boggling for me too. And isn't that just incredibly yeah. ironic that the reason so many women go on it is so they can feel confident having sex and not having to worry about getting pregnant and yeah, it works. Cause you stop having but it, sex. But it's damaging our sex. <laughs> you, don't <have> sex. <laughs> you don't get pregnant. <laughs> So birth control works in two ways, <laughs> suppressing ovulation <laughs> and suppressing your libido so you don't get pregnant. So what about um, Janelle and Emily? How about you? What are the things that have um, allowed you to kind of step into your own self-pleasure? For me, um, it really wasn't until I was married and my husband was really curious about my body and and like yeah like directly would ask me about my own self-pleasure besides just our pleasure and and making me feel like I was in a safe place where it was okay for me to have this self-pleasure um yeah that that's how I've gotten to a more positive place with it but but like I said, I, there are still times that I revert back and there's still times that I find myself alone. And then I'm like, oh, wait, should I be doing this? Like, is there something wrong that I'm doing this? And I have to remind myself that I'm doing this because it feels good and I have an amazing body and my body's good. <laughs> yes, Emily. <laughs> Get it, girl. Yeah, I can. I love that you, the call out that another person can actually, um, activate within you that curiosity. I feel similarly. There was somebody that um, came into my life in my late twenties that really like was so curious about my, my pleasure that I was just like, huh? (laughs) I, this is very routine for me. Like, I'm just like, we do the thing. I have fun. I'll don't worry. I'll be really fun. But like, he was so curious about me that that was the first time, um, And then I think that I kind of like, it didn't stick necessarily. And then, um, in the last like three, four years, um, the invitation to like, just explore 
my own self that have that curiosity with myself um, and really get to know. I've been doing a lot more of an embodiment and somatic healing just for my own self beyond sexuality. And I've almost like applied that same idea just to my sexual experience and my pleasure. And that's been really cool. It's like, it's fun to kind of discover different things and to, to learn about myself. Um, I don't know if I really answered the question, but I think it's cool that an external thing can be a, a, a stimulant for it. Yeah. I had kind of a similar experience. I think it was twofold because one, even after I started to masturbate, I would still get in my head about like, Oh, this is shameful, blah, 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 blah. And like, then I just like, didn't enjoy it. Um, and even kind of from conversations from the podcast, just when we started to be like, nothing's good or bad, you know, you're in choice. And I had not realized that I consider myself a pretty sexual person. And like, if you would have asked me five years ago, even if you go to love languages, I would be like physical touch. No, that would be like one of my lowest ones. Like I don't need physical touch. And it wasn't that I actually consider that one of my highest ones now, but I had so much shame around it that again, like I wouldn't even let my boyfriend in college kiss me in public outside because like, because of things, yeah, like kind of like in high school, some of you, Emily, like I used to make out with my boyfriend in the halls of the high school and we would get yelled at or like get taken to the principal's office for kissing each other. And like, that's could be a whole nother conversation, right? Around like what that means and whether that or not that's good or bad. But like a lot of that stuff stuck with me then. And I'm like, oh, people are going to think I'm a slut or I'm a whore or like whatever words in my mind just for like, holding hands or kissing in public. I'm talking like about the simplest things. So then you can imagine when it comes to masturbation or sex. And then I ended up having a partner um, who was like, and this is kind of, I was already masturbating at this point, but like, I remember also having a different one that was like, you don't have a vibrator. And then I don't know if he was like super tactful in the way that he was expressing it. Cause I was almost shaming on the other side. He's like, how have you never used a vibrator? Da, da, da. And I was like, I don't know. And then I kind of felt shameful. I was like, do I need one? And I was like, well, I guess I'll go buy one and I'll regret it. Like it did open up a door for me, but it always took me getting like shamed on the other end of like feeling like something was wrong with me now. Cause I didn't have a fiber. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like shamed for not masturbating. I am shamed for masturbating. I can't. And then I was like, fuck it. Like I would just go back to the conversations we have in the podcast. And it's just like, I don't know, I'll buy a vibrator because I'm curious in what it's like to use one and let me see if it works for me and like just continually bring it back to self. But I've kind of had like both. I feel like some of your, it was like a nicer example. I feel like I kind of got shamed like, again in a different direction um, to get where I'm at today, but like being able to sort of roll with the punches and actually not take it on. Um, I was like, okay, like this is something that doesn't also make me yeah, like a bad person or like disgusting is a word that came up a lot in my youth around sex like you're disgusting that's mm. disgusting and like actually I'm like oh I'm getting like a somatic response from even saying that yeah so yeah and I like the invitation too of just like like toys like things like bring things in and try it and see what different sensations like um what they feel like I mean there was like a vibrator or something that Janelle and I were like, we got to try this. Yeah, it was the clip. It was the yeah, clip. Like it was terrible. At least for we me were so did. excited about it. And then like, we were both like, did you like it? And we're, I was like, oh, I hate it. It was terrible. <laughs> I left it in my air. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But, but like part of this is like letting yourself just try and to not feel bad about it, to just like, you know, 
we've talked about that on the podcast before too, just like mistakes, you know, mistakes can be like as dramatic as we make them, or they can be a way to learn more about yourself. And, um, I think toys and not just toys, like any, um, accessories. I don't, I can't think of like a better word for it. It doesn't even like, just try it. If you're like intuitively called, like try it. I just, I have learned from the podcast, be really careful about what you put up your butt because it's, it has, it's a sucker. It sucks. And so if there's not something to stop that, it's going to suck it right in. So that's just a PSA. Try anything, but educate yourself on butt. (laughs) Please educate yourself on butt stuff. I love that. That is a great (laughs) space to close. Can I say one more thing that just came up for me? I just want to say too, something that I need to continuously remind me, myself, myself about with this is I get to masturbate the way I want to and with the intention that I have and even sitting there having this conversation you know I had some thoughts about oh my goodness like what if so and so person hears me talk about this like because I know that they think that masturbation immediately leads to like we talked about this whole slippery slope of horrible things and so remembering that it really is about my relationship with my body and I, I need to block out whatever I might think someone else is thinking or judging about this experience that they have no part in. Emily, I'm so glad that you joined this conversation. I know that you were nervous about it, but I have got, gained so much from the words that you said, like in my heart, I mm. am so grateful I am, I'm good. I'm allowed to feel good the way I want to. My body is good. Like your presence was very, very, very much appreciated. So thank you for having that courage to show up and be you. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rachel and Janelle for facilitating this and for pushing me. Oh, no, we, I mean, we appreciate both of you. We were just chatting even like earlier today saying how, we're like, oh, well, could we get like the male perspective on here? And like Rachel had mentioned, people are like, I don't want to talk about masturbation. And I'm like, thank you for being the people that are willing to model, yeah, and be brave and share experiences so other people can learn, even if not everyone's going to understand, but it'll help a lot of people Aww. too. We're, we're both so excited for this series, and it's so good. So thank you both. More to come. Mm hmm. More to see you, M. Come. <laughs> Was that inappropriate? <laughs> <laughs> nah. We can't. We gotta add some inappropriate humor, maybe. I don't know. That stuff and <laughs> see you, M. <laughs> yeah. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.